do, and one of the things we see here with Philip. And I mentioned this actually last week in the Easter sermon. The gospel has the power to go anywhere, right? And God has somehow seen fit to use us as its messengers. That the good news of Jesus is applicable to everyone in the entire world, and yet God has decided to use you and I to be the messengers. And so as we look at this scripture tonight, I want to unpack this a little bit more. So here we see Philip again, kind of taking the, the center stage in this story. Philip, one of the apostles, has gone north and, and, and has started really what we would consider a thriving ministry in Samaria. People are coming to know Jesus. People are being baptized. Um, the passage we read last week tells us that Peter and John also came up, that a lot of the apostles were teaching and preaching there, and, and good things were happening. And he felt called by the Lord, and he heard this word from the Lord, it's time to, to leave, right? And it actually says that it's a messenger, an angel of the Lord, goes and tells him, hey, I know things are going well, but it's time for you to go, right? And I love how casually, by the way, the Bible says these things. So an angel of the Lord showed up and just told him, hey, go south, right? Like, I don't know about you, um, for me, this is not a common occurrence in my life, that an angel of the Lord appears to me and tells me what to do. Uh, we're going to come back to this idea in a second. But on his way, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch, and who was a very important official in the kingdom where he was from, right? In, in Eastern Africa, South Saharan, Eastern Africa area. And, and he was worshiping, it tells us, in Jerusalem. And unfortunately, we don't really have any more information on this. We don't know, were there a lot of Jewish people in his kingdom? Were, were, what was, you know, the backstory on this? How did Jews get down there? Where, was there, like, a whole group of them who traveled? Was he by himself? Like, kind of, what was going on? I wish we knew, but we really don't. Um, we know that the Ethiopian church is one of the oldest churches in the world, that the gospel made its way there very, very quickly after Christ. Um, but we just don't have a ton of reliable information on this. But we do know what scriptures tell us is that he was an Ethiopian man, which could have meant the actual country of Ethiopia as we know it, or sort of southern, southeastern Africa. And he had made his way to Jerusalem and was a very, very important person. He was a very important official. He was in charge of the treasury of the queen where he came from. And, and you know, all of my curiosity, it's just like, oh, I just want to know. I just want to know more about this person. I want to know more about his culture. I want to know more about... The, 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 the royal people he represented. But one of the things this tells me, and this reminds me of, this is going to drive me crazy, sorry. Turn it all the way around. Just... All right, I hope everyone online can hear me. If not, we can just reboot the whole system. I mean, if you want to do that, you can. You want to? The Wi-Fi crashed, so we're trying to figure out right now. We have a wireless system. and further back that you stand, yeah. the less chance it's going to fit. Is it pointing in the right direction, too? Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right, let's try that. I'm going to stand way back, and everyone on Zoom, it's going to look like I'm really, really far. It's going to be better, because now it's yeah. pointing at you. But the, it's still kind of making. This is the wonderful things about trying to do a live stream. If it was just us, I would yell. All right. Put it way, way away. Unfortunately, my loud voice does not reach across the world to people online. All right. Let's hope that works. It's still feeding back. It's 
silly, silly microphone. And problem solved. Unplug it, right? Whenever there's a problem with electronics, unplug and restart. Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So anyways, what I was I saying about the Ethiopians? So this is this guy, and I want to know more. My curiosity wants to know more, right? I want, I want to look it up and find this wonderful history of this culture and how the Jews were, were, you know, spreading the news about God and all these things, but we just don't know. You know, it's, it's similar to multiple things where we run into people in the Bible who know God, but they just jump into the story, and then they just jump out of the story, and you just wonder, wait, Wait, how did they hear about God? Where did they, where did they read it? How do we know these things? And one of the things this tells me that I really like, and I always like to point out whenever I see these things in Scripture, it's such a nice reminder to me that God is doing so many things that we don't know about. That God is constantly working in different cultures and in different people. And even as we read Scripture, we always think about, like, okay, this is the story of Israel, and these are God's chosen people. But God was working in every culture around the world. God knew people around the world. God loved people around the world. And here we see someone who came to Jerusalem to worship, to learn more about him. And we know nothing about him or his family and how he heard about God. That God is constantly moving. And for us to understand when I say we take the gospel with us wherever we go, it comes from an understanding that we need to know that God is already moving, that God is already working in people's hearts, that God is already interacting with people in a way that we don't even know. And so when we take the gospel, the pressure is not on us. The pressure is to, to share with people about this good God that God is already doing the work in. I mean, as we saw in Acts chapter 2, it seems like a long time ago, at Pentecost, there were all these different people there speaking all these different languages. Who were these cultures? Who were these Jewish believers scattered from around the Greek world? There's just so much more I want to know, but what God doesn't tell us reveals to us so much about who God is, I think. And so this Ethiopian man is, is, has gotten himself a scroll of Isaiah. He has found himself, he's purchased, however he got it, he got himself a scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he is reading this famous prophecy. And, and, and Philip, again, before it was a messenger of the Lord, an angel, and then now this time the Holy Spirit speaks to him uh, and says, hey, go stand over near that chariot, All right? <laughs> again, I don't know about you, not normal for me to be hearing voices from God all the time telling me where to stand, right? This is, this is a very cool story. But so Philip walks over and hears him reading. And so he chimes in. Hey, you know what you're reading? And I love the guy's response. How can I know unless someone tells me? Right? Like, how? I don't know. And then it starts this conversation where he reads Isaiah 53. And then the door opens up for Philip to lay out that actually this is not only about the prophet Isaiah, but it's also about Jesus. And let me tell you the story about the prophet Isaiah. Let me tell you about the story about what happened from him till now and this guy Jesus who just, a, you know, a little while ago fulfilled this prophecy. And then at the end of our passage, I've, actually it's not true, I've, I've had it happen once in my life, but it was boom, spontaneous baptism, right? He gets saved and he's like, hey, let's get baptized. Right? This is like the dream of anyone ever sharing their faith, that it would be this instantaneous acceptance and baptism and everything would be joyous. It's such a wild story. Actually, before church today, I was just reading all of Acts, the first eight chapters, just thinking, this is just out of control. <laughs> 
Like if I were, you know, we can get to that. Is it we haven't even gotten to Paul's conversion yet, or Saul's conversion to Paul. And here already in the first eight chapters of Acts, it's just amazing what God is doing. And so when you and I look at this story, and if you've lived in church and you've been going to church for a while, you know this story and you've heard this story, what do we learn from this? You know, I thought of two really important questions we can ask ourselves as we look at this scripture that I want us to look at as we go through this. The first one is this. When we go out into the world, whatever that looks like, job, work, school, family, anything, are we listening for the Spirit? And then the second one is, are we open to whatever God might do? Are we open to whatever God might do? Because when I talk about, again, taking the gospel with us, I'm not talking about preaching wherever you go. You know, some of you guys have seen the guy who preaches on the Bonhoeffstrasse. Like, good for that guy. He feels called to do that. Not all of us feel called to do that, right? I once knew a guy who was so called to preach to whoever wanted to hear or didn't want to hear at his actual wedding. And this is a true story, and I love the guy to death. Um, he was such an evangelist that m almost his whole family were not Christians. And so he had kind of a a captive audience at his wedding, and so in the middle of the wedding, he presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to his family, telling them to repent of their sins and turn their lives over to Jesus, in the middle of his wedding. And then everyone was like, okay, we good? You all heard it now? Okay, good, let's go get some food. Like, and it was fantastic, but not all of us are called to do that, right? Not all of us are gonna, you know, do the, like I was told when I was in youth group growing up, you know, the, the famous question, hey, if you died today, do you know where you'd go? Probably the hospital? I don't, right? Not all of us are evangelists in that way, and that's okay. So what, what does taking the gospel with us look like? See, Philip was doing a good job by all accounts in Samaria. Philip was probably getting used to the people. He was getting used to the ministry he was doing. He was probably starting to feel a little bit comfortable. And then, boom, God tells him to go south. And he does. And many of us, even though it may not be an angel might be able to understand a little bit of what this is about, right? Um, maybe you've heard the voice of God, or maybe it's just like a stirring in your heart. Maybe you feel sort of called or drawn to something, and so you feel like, oh, maybe I should go and do this. Maybe it's time for me to go and try this new thing. Maybe it's time for me to go and pursue this thing I've had on my heart. And so Philip goes south, but then as he's going, the Spirit tells him something very specific, not just it's time to move on and go south. The Spirit tells Philip, Hey, go stand by that one chariot right there. <laughs> this gets a little bit weirder, but maybe this happens, right? Maybe it's not something that happens as often, but some of us might know what this feels like. We feel sort of deep inside, wow, maybe I should go talk to that person. Maybe I should go offer to that person help. One of the ways I always describe this is, um, you know how sometimes you'll see someone either begging for money or looking for something, and sometimes you just sort of like write it off, write it off, but then occasionally you see someone or, or, or you make eye contact with someone and you almost feel like this stirring inside of you and you feel sort of like, I should, I should, I should say something, I should do something. Or maybe you pass someone or you, and, you, and after you have an interaction with someone, you sort of feel like, I should have said something. I should have told that person how much I appreciated that. I should have, I should have done something to say, whatever it is. See, when we talk about the Holy Spirit speaking to us, it's not always audible. In fact, if you've heard the audible voice of the Holy Spirit, let me know. Um, I would love to hear about it. I never have. But Philip, as he hears this, the opportunity comes. 
He's walking down the street. He, he stands next to this chariot, and the guy's reading scripture. And then Philip does something that I think is really interesting. This has happened to all of us in our life. We've all been at points in our life where we're at this moment where we think, should I say something or should I not? Right, it's springtime in Europe, we get all these holidays off, Easter Monday, Ascension, Pentecost, whatever it is, and maybe the topic turns among your group of friends or coworkers to these holidays. And you think, maybe I should say something. Maybe you're out with friends and, and, and the conversation turns to something ethical or, or, or moral that intersects with your faith, and you all of a sudden are faced with the choice, should I speak up? Should I say something? Maybe it's with family. Maybe you have family who aren't believers and the conversation gets into an area where you feel strongly about something and then you have to make a choice. Do I say something? Philip hears this guy talking and says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And we can read this story and say, yeah, of course he asked that question. But for us, we've all been in similar situations where we are at a point where something intersects our faith, our heart is stirring to say something to a friend, to a family, to a family member, to a coworker, to someone at school, whatever it is. And something is intersecting with our faith and we have to make that choice. Do we say something? When I talk about bringing the gospel with us, I'm not talking about preaching on a street corner. I'm talking about when you feel a stirring in your heart, when the gospel intersects with something in your daily life and you have the opportunity to say, do you say it? Are you willing, are we willing to open the spiritual side of our life to people? Are we willing to open up that door and show the spiritual side of our life and belief to people, knowing it may not go well? And this is what's difficult, right? This is when I get to that first question I asked. Are we listening to the Spirit? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to give us courage and to sort of squeeze our heart in a way that says, I need to go talk to that person. I should speak up and say something. And let me be clear, it may not be audible. Like I said, I've never heard the voice of God. All right? And I used to always think, I've shared this before, I used to always hear pastors say, and then I heard God telling me, and I always thought, well, I've never heard God tell me anything. <laughs> There's something wrong with me? Certainly not. But what we need to do is we need to become comfortable being people that God may be speaking to us in different ways. God may be moving inside of us. God may be doing things in our lives. It could be anything. But as Christians, I really think this, that we, we miss these moments all the time because we're just not listening for God. We're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're not making a practice of asking God, God, what do you want me to say? God, what do you want me to do? God, how can I best represent you today as I go out in my life? We're going out in our life thinking, oh man, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. I, 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 I. No. God, what would you have me do today? And Philip I love this story of Philip, these two stories right in a row of Philip in Acts chapter 8, because there's never an I. It's always, hey, Philip, go do this. Great. Hey, Philip, go preach to the Samaritans. Sure. Hey, Philip, go talk to this Ethiopian eunuch. You got it. So the first question we need to ask ourselves, church, are we listening to what the Holy Spirit may be saying to us? And then the second question is, are we open to what God may do? And even more importantly, maybe what God may not do. 
Because when we open that spiritual side of our life to other people, we have no idea how they're going to respond. <laughs> right? I, like I said, I, I, I've been part of an instant, an instant, like, simultaneous baptism once in my life. Just one time. And I've been a Christian for a long time. Right? This, the example in Acts chapter 8 is not usually what happens when we open up the spiritual side of our life to someone. Like, these moments are great. I've shared my faith with people. I've given a Bible away to people. I've, I've opened this door up, and sometimes it's gone really well. And sometimes it's gone horribly, horribly wrong, right? God may do something amazing, but we also need to understand that sometimes people may shut us out. You know, and I always think of this example. Some of you guys know this. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and I'm not as big a fan of the movies as I am of the books, but there's a scene in the last movie, The Return of the King, that I always think of when this happens. And if you've seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, just let me explain it briefly. All these warriors are, are, are standing, waiting, and, and enemies coming through the gates, and they're bashing in the doors of this city. And, and the leader uh, basically tells them, whatever comes through that door, stand fast. Remember, you are men of Gondor, this city. And they're all standing there thinking, okay, we can do this, we can do this. And as the doors bash open, these like giant trolls come in and just wipe them all out. I mean, it's not even close. It's just, it's horrible. And, so, and honestly, when I was thinking about this sermon and preparing this and thinking about what happens sometimes when we open the spiritual side of our lives to people, we just get pummeled. I don't know about you, I have done this with family, I have done this with friends where people laugh at me, where people think I'm silly, where people think, honestly think that because I'm still doing the church thing, I am wasting my life. Are we open to what God might do no matter what it is. Because let me tell you something, friends. Jesus knew that it won't always go well. In Matthew 10, he sends out his disciples and he says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Jesus knew this stuff could happen. He said, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guards, on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils. You will be flogged and beaten in the synagogues. And on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, not, by, not if they arrest you, when they arrest you, do not worry about what, you're say, what you will say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Isn't that good? See, when we make a practice of listening to the Holy Spirit, when we make a practice of seeing what God would have us say, how God would have us live, and we make this part of our prayer life as we go out into the world, no matter what happens, we can open the spiritual side of our life to others and, and, and great things could happen. Spontaneous baptism. Amen. Someone could laugh at us and reject us and, and, and worst case, beat us up and throw us in jail. And Jesus says, hey, don't worry about it. Holy Spirit will be there for you. See, when I say we are called to take the gospel with us wherever we go, that might mean across cultures. That might mean across beliefs. That might mean across all sorts of things you're comfortable with sharing your perspectives about whatever it is that intersects with your faith with people that totally disagree with you. And this is exactly what Jesus said to his disciples that we just read, and this is exactly what we see with Philip. And, and if you're sitting here listening to this and you're not yet a believer in Jesus or you're still sorting these things out, and at first you heard this passage and thought, wow, that's pretty cool. What's keeping me from being baptized? 
But then now you hear me talking about this and you say, whoa, not so sure, right? Let's pump the brakes on the Jesus thing. I get that. Because this is kind of intense, right? Like, and the whole world will tell you, and I'm going to get really preachy now, and I'm sorry, but the whole world will tell you, just keep your spiritual side of your life to yourself. It's not that big a deal. Just keep it private and just go along to get along and just, just, just don't make waves. I, I really want to tell you that you can be a Christian privately because it would be so much easier, but you can't. We can't. Everything about this book, everything about the teachings of our Lord and Savior tell us to take this gospel with us wherever we go. You can try to hide it. You can try to pretend it's not who you are. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, people will know. People will hear about it. These things will intersect with your life. And you will be faced with moments where you have to choose, like Philip, do I speak up? God will put you in situations. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. And you have to choose, will I be brave enough to speak up and say, hey, do you know what you're reading? Remember how I said about the Ethiopians, how God was working in this culture and in this man's life, and we just have no idea about it? Remember, God is doing things we have no idea about. God is working in people's lives. God is teaching and, and, and showing them people and using all sorts of people around the world. And when we have the courage to step up and speak up in ways that we hadn't before, it could be life-changing to people. It can be life-changing to us. When we listen for the Spirit to guide us and take the gospel with us, we get to experience the very kingdom of God. We get to experience the things that Jesus taught about. We get to experience the, the life that is freeing and not a burden. And so when I look at this passage, my, the questions I want us all to ask, and myself included, is are we listening to what God is doing? And are we open to what God might do through us or what God might not do? Because we are not called to live with the spirit of fear. We are not called to live with the spirit of rejection because we have already been accepted. We have already conquered death through Jesus Christ. There is nothing to fear. So are we open to what God may do or may not do? Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for Philip and his bravery. God, I pray that we would be able to take the gospel with us, that we would be able to stand for what we believe, that we would be open and honest when we have the opportunity to tell people how things of this world intersect with our spiritual life and faith. Lord, thanks for all you're doing. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we're going to enter into a time of communion now. And this is such a wonderful opportunity. Get a little closer. There we go. This is such a wonderful opportunity, I think, sometimes when we talk about the things I just mentioned. Oh, there it is. To center ourselves. To sort of recalibrate ourselves when we think about some of these things that might make us a little uncomfortable. To remember why we do it right? That, that Christ gave his very life that we would have no fear, that we would take this good news with us. And so as we go, 
we remember what Christ said and did. And so just a couple of things.